Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we figure out how to build products and recover from burnout. I'm Benedict. And I'm Brian. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we figure things out. Today is February 2nd, and I'm feeling a bit frazzled. This is episode number 76, and I'm feeling exhausted. Oh, no. Sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's how it is. I, I'll talk more about this uh, later in this episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but before we get going, we should probably mention SAS Summit. Um, yeah. Kindly asked us to, to mention it. It's uh, hosted by user.com. Thinking about it, it's probably a competitor to user list, but whatever. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're hosting a great summit um, about automating your SaaS growth. Jane will be speaking there, but so will Asia right. Orangio, Gia Lodi, Patrick Campbell, Rand Fishkin. Like it's, That's a the, pretty stellar list of folks. Yeah, and it, it goes on. Like That's just like the... The things, okay. uh, the names that stood out for, to yeah. me just from yeah. like scrolling through the page once, like yeah. Brennan Dunn is on there. Like anyone, anyone that has, a, that has like something smart to say about SaaS and SaaS marketing is probably speaking there. Well, that's so. not true because you're not there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, April, <laughs> well. April Dunford, Brennan Dunn, Westbush. Yeah, man, there's a, there's a killer list. Cool. So SaaS Summit, it's two S's there in the middle. SaaS Summit user.com yeah it's february 11th to 12th i think um we'll so next that. coming coming next week <laughs> coming up next week yeah yep 11th to 12th cool all right well i'll for sure have to have to tune in on some of those yeah uh I, i'm sure some of them will be quite interesting so okay, so what's yeah. what's what's happening on your end you're exhausted yeah, Just... like I have a suspicion that something on our server, backend, whatever, is somehow connected to my bed. Because whenever I go to sleep, things break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Like today has been the second day in a row uh, where mm. I woke up. Basically, yeah, woke up, got my phone opened email and had like mm -hmm. 90 alerts from monitoring. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, I haven't fully figured out what's going on, but sometimes our background processing just deadlocks, like mm. it entirely hangs up and doesn't process any jobs anymore. And then when I wake up, like, <laughs> it's funny, like yesterday I can see in the, in the monitoring Basically, the exact moment where I went to bed, things started to go wrong. <laughs> and it didn't properly process things for like eight hours or so until I wake, woke up. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what's happening. That's the uh, the, the problematic thing about this. Um, I've been poking at this and maybe I have a solution, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Like uh, yeah. it's... It's one of those issues that are hard to reproduce because I think it only happens under certain high load conditions. Um, okay. And I think it's related to some like some locking mechanisms in the in the Sidekick library for unique jobs that we're using. But that's only a hunch. Like I don't I don't know okay. for sure. At least I, I 
I can see know, in the monitoring that it hangs on a particular call to Redis for like okay. 20 minutes or so, or even longer than that. Um, well, so that's, but, that's yeah. what I was about to ask is, you know, the, the back, back end process keeps hanging up. Like that could, that could be a ton of things. So just in case people are listening, I mean, specifically, so you're talking about, is there a particular Redis job or is there a particular sidekick thing? Like what, have, have you been able to identify that specifically? What are some more um, that's happening? Yeah, it looks like like it's not like one specific job type or anything. Like it's mm-hmm. all of them in a way. Maybe not all of them, but enough that it occupies all worker threads on all running jobs, uh, okay. on all running on, on all running uh, processes. At least, uh, actually, that's probably not entirely true. But it occupies the stuff that basically drives everything else. Um, mm-hmm. So we have like messaging dynos and messaging queues and stuff like that. Those are, yeah, those are probably still running, but nothing is sending messages into those anymore because the other part is just like locking up entirely. Gotcha. And you're, this is all on Heroku, right? Yeah. Still entirely on Heroku. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do they have, I want, is there like, uh, I have no idea. Are Are there tools that, I mean, <laughs> sounds silly, but that monitor your monitoring that can kind of sniff out and like diagnose patterns and things like that, or it's just so much art. Yeah, to, yeah. I think I, I think our monitoring is decent in terms of like we yeah. get we get plenty of data. Um, yeah. But this particular one is like just super super hard to debug because the job isn't failing it's not like it's it's throwing error messages or just like crashing or whatever it's just waiting (laughs) it's waiting for the lock to be released wait because it's waiting everything else the line behind it just keeps getting stacking up stacking up so the queue just gets crazy okay yeah and one like the obvious thing there is like yeah, just have better timeouts there. Um, so it doesn't wait like for two hours, but like maybe a minute or so, and then it just like stops. Mm-hmm. But the the library we're using for this has timeout settings. And once I tighten them up, like stuff just instantly freezes and doesn't work. So yeah, yeah, it's so, super, it's, it's super strange. The problem, yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, is there is there any chance at all that, I mean, not to blame you know, the vendor or to blame the library, is there any chance at all that it's the the library that you're using to hand things off to through Redis to Sidekick? Um, I, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it might be yeah. a, a combination of how this library is implemented and mm-hmm. just our specific circumstances. And I might might have found a fix earlier today but I'm not entirely sure. Like, yeah. this is one of those problems where it does like you can never know if you fix it because it might not be I, the yeah, circumstances exactly. that didn't show yeah. up again. Yeah, and I think it might be related to. So we use Action Cable for like WebSocket connections for the in-app messaging. Yep, and there was some code in that particular part of the application that also acquired one of those locks on. Um, 
basically when when setting the unique key to ensure like we don't put the same job in there more than once and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I having a suspicion that whenever the connection gets dropped, either by the uh, client disconnecting or the server restarting, it basically doesn't unlock like it requires the lock, then the connection gets dropped, the WebSocket connection gets dropped, and it doesn't release the lock on Redis. And once at this point the connection is gone, and then all other processes that acquire that try to acquire the same lock will never get it because nobody's ever it. releasing it. I fixed that part. It doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of why why would it not release those locks? But I mean, you I don't know. Specifically addressed that yeah. potential issue. Yeah, yeah. What does the what does the user see? Like when, what what's the what's the experience on the cust I guess the customer side when you wake up and jobs have been delayed for some hours at a time? Yeah, Is so your the customer support box also filled up, or eh, there's there's a bit of a delay there. That's just basically it's just a delay. Um, yeah, yeah. Like this morning, we had one email from a customer who reported that they're seeing a lot of. Um, uh, 500 error messages in segment, um, yeah. which also like in a way, which yeah. just brought me, like pointed me in this direction of like the sidekick at, um, at the web sockets, because in theory, the web, web server, uh, Dino shouldn't acquire those logs ever because it's basically related to background processing, but because we did stuff a little bit differently in the in the WebSocket stuff, it locked there, and that also caused like let's say one lock was acquired, the connection died, didn't release the lock, and then this exact same user reconnected their WebSocket. It would again try to acquire the same lock, which would not work. It would wait forever. And mm-hmm. basically tie up this this thread in the web server, and at some point, if it, that happens often enough, like all the all the processes or all the threads in the web server are just stuck. And at that point, we are also not processing any data from segment anymore. And um, yeah. I think Heroku will just like return timeout errors five or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that's what they noticed. And uh, I hope by just like removing that that code that acquired that log that I, I'm at least freeing up the web the web uh, the web dynos to not freeze up anymore. But <laughs> yeah, that's wishful thinking, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's it's at least within the bounds of rational. Yeah, um, you're not just like you're not stabbing in the dark. It's at least an educated guess. But I mean, I. Yeah, I wonder if it you'll end up seeing that it's just random combination of three or four different things that you have to yeah bang around. It's one of those things where, like, right now I'm considering, like, well, let's one thing I'm doing for today is like let's wait and see what happens tonight. For some reason, yeah. it only yeah. happens at night. I, I explicitly tried restarting uh, the Heroku Dinos a couple of times throughout the day just to try to see if I can force it to fail again. Mm-hmm. Wasn't able to until uh, until now. I will try after this 
after this recording a couple more have times. Anything to do with which time zone a particular large customer might be in? Maybe I I don't I know. Mean, you're joking about the the bed thing, but like if if that if that really does feel consistent, then well, okay, maybe there's some time zone yeah. goofiness it's, going on here. It's been the second time, um, and it also, funny enough, it also coincidence uh, co coincides. What's the correct term? Yeah, coincides. Yeah, coincides. It coincides with restarts of like the dinos in Heroku when when we deploy a new version. Um, mm -hmm. And we have like this automated dependency management tool that basically merges uh, minor patches in the gem file automatically and then deploys them automatically. And one of those de uh, uh, deploys and restarts triggered that, like triggered the yeah. deadlock and then uh, started uh, filling up the queues. So as I said, like, it's a weird combination of things that play into this. And yeah. uh, I'd probably go to bed a little bit later today <laughs> <laughs> because it always happened around around midnight, midnight local time around here. So I will just stay up for that and then yeah. maybe try to restart a couple couple times and see if it deadlocks again. And if not, then maybe I got lucky. But other than that, I'm 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 currently looking at re just replacing that library, um, the unique jobs library, with um, actually considering to just buy Sidekick Enterprise because, right, it, it's some one of those things that I just want to work, and I, yeah, it's it's worth it the money work. at this point. <laughs> mm -hmm. How um, how's your sleep? How's your sleep generally? Feels like it's been it's a better. Dread here. It's, it's better. It's better. Yeah, um, I got eight hours of sleep, which was a problem in this case because it took me eight hours. <laughs> it took me eight hours to to notice this problem. But other than that, I'm sleeping better recently. I think mm -hmm. um, basically uh, decreasing our salaries, moving the uh, end of cash, like the zero cash date, uh, further in the future by more than a year, that yeah. removed a lot of anxiety. I don't know. It's just nothing fundamentally changed. It's still the same money in the bank and stuff like that, but it just like removed a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see like how things change tonight when I, when I know okay. that things might break, but other than that, it's okay. Well, good. Good luck. Yeah. What, uh, besides that, you got a, can you, can you hear my dog barking? He's like right above me. Yapping yeah. Yeah. I can hear your dog barking, but it's not as bad right. as neighbors drilling. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we should be fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I'll uh, we'll, yeah. we'll work with it then. Yeah. What? So what? What else you got? Uh, you got a decent list of things happening, man. I guess it's two yeah. weeks worth of We had a, we had that amazing yeah. guest last. We had a like great yes. episode last last week with AD. That was. I'm still thinking back to the conversation and same here. Still, still book is so, that book is so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm still having like positive uh, thoughts about all the things he mentioned and uh, seeing things a little bit uh, more in terms of life profitability. And it's not all about the money. And yeah, things might uh, might not be nice in 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 the financial sense, but still getting some energy of just like working with nice people and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. 
having fun thoughts <laughs> about this episode. But in the last two weeks, a um, couple of things happened. And I want to give some shout outs uh, because um, uh, as feedback or like um, triggered by one of our previous episodes, um, uh, Michael Christophides of uh, Piggy Mustard uh, reached out to me two weeks ago or so. Um, uh, and they run a, um, a tool that helps with... Um, Postgres explains. So uh, when you analyze your database queries, they they help you visualize them. And I mentioned, I think in in that particular episode, I mentioned two other tools that do this, like open source tools. But they have like a pay tool that does a similar thing. And he reached out and um, offered his help to just like chat about the problems I'm seeing and just like give some yeah. feedback on what what I can try. And we had that call and that was super super helpful like he he helped me think through some some things and it was nice to just like talk to someone who's has a deep understanding about postgres and the database uh in general and i also gave their tool a try um because i figured hey why not i mean can't hurt and as i said they do a similar thing like the other tools like just you, you paste your uh explain output into their tool and then they visualize it but what they then did on top of that what was like they they give you a list of recommendation of things to try and that's the part the other tools don't do and i that's had a awesome. like i basically used the output of the explain after i made the last optimization where i was fairly confident that like i tried everything possible and there's nothing else i can do anymore <laughs> so um uh, so I pasted it in there and it instantly came up with three suggestions on how to improve it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bye. This is like, this is worth the money. And it's like, this is it done. Yeah. It's like $90 a year or something like that. Like it's ridiculously cheap. Um, <laughs> it was like, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't use the full five queries to analyze for the trial. I just like did the first one and instantly thought it like, <laughs> got it done, <laughs> done, bought, <laughs> whatever. Um, that's really great. Like, I mean, that's, I think that's the, the big advantage that their tool has is that it actually looks at the results and then points out, Hey, here's this particular thing happening. And this is bad because. I don't know, whatever gives you a nice explanation yeah. and also gives like some recommendation what you can try to solve it or what you can try to fix it. And they combine it with like a rating. So you can instantly see like, okay, this has a rating of 0 0.1. So it's probably not worth even looking into it, but it goes like up to five. And one of the suggestions they had had a rating of 3.8 or something like that. So it's pretty significant. Um, so yeah. Wanted just to give a shout out to to their tool and to Michael in in particular. This was a helpful conversation. So check out PG Mustard and uh, check out uh, their founders, their co-founder team. Uh, they know their stuff, um, obviously. What was also nice, I wanted to thank two of our listeners who reached out, like I think unsolicited without any reason, but like send in support requests without a support request, just like saying, hey, wanted to say thank yeah. you. Didn't, like Michael uh, of Agile Extensions was like, hey, this new company's feature, 
is probably unlocking some some growth growth opportunities for me. I just wanted to say thank you for that. That's so awesome. That was super nice. And then um, uh, Jacob uh, of um, uh, what's the company name? Sustainable Labs or something like that. Uh, sorry if I got it wrong. We we put a link in the show notes. Um, he reached out just like thanking us for just building user lists in general because they're using it in a in a client project. Uh, their consultancy and um, their customer was super happy with it, and he basically forwarded those thanks and invited me to join him for a sailing trip uh, sometime in Denmark. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was that was super nice and like. It, I think we got a Saturday night on a weekend and it was like one of the nicest emails I got all week. So thanks a lot for that. Um, Substance lab. Substance lab. Substance lab. Yeah. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I didn't remember. I should have put it in the notes. (laughs) All good, man. There now. So that was, that was super nice. And I really appreciate, uh, I appreciate those, those emails. And I also want to give a shout out to, Rob Walling and Derek Reimer, who had a call with us last week, I think, um, just like talk about uh, technical architecture and infrastructure for our new uh, marketing feature direction, basically talking through all the things they they learned in Drip and what we can improve or cannot improve and shouldn't do or whatever. And that yeah. was a super helpful conversation. Um, in parts, like just to learn about some potential problems ahead of time, just so we can mm-hmm. start thinking about it, how to avoid them. And also it, the other part was just like confirming some of the ideas we had on, on how to architect and build things. So that was also super helpful. And I want to give a shout out to them. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, listeners who who don't know, um, Rob Walling is the serial entrepreneur who uh, who runs a conference called Microcomp. So we'll be sure to link to that in the we'll we'll link to that one in the show notes. So yeah, and Derek Derek is a co-host of a <laughs> totally unknown podcast <laughs> called Out of Product, who nobody ever listens to. <laughs> um, hey, how's the uh, how, how's your Ruby Gem going? You've yeah, got, you've got that here too. And that's yeah, that that part is done as well. So um, yeah, I guess we were productive uh, before we had to deal with production awesome. issues again. Um, so the the userless Ruby gem is out in the new version. The Ruby and Rails gem is out in the new version. Both do um, company tracking and relationship tracking out of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple of users actually using it and it seems to work <laughs> hooray <laughs> yeah um so that that happened um two weeks so ago back at, that's what i want to i want to kind of close the loop on that one because when you uh, or just come back to something we talked about when you were initially doing that you you outsourced the very like 0.1 version of that right wasn't uh, that we, you were kind of experimenting with outsourcing the gem it was a similar thing, but for the PHP and Laravel versions, we tried oh, outsour- outsourcing yeah, yeah, those, but right. okay. that didn't work out so well. Um, okay. I always took care of the Ruby and Rails stuff myself. I always felt like the, the master version in a way, mm-hmm. like the, the gold standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it was a tricky one. Like There were a lot of edge cases in there that I hadn't anticipated. But I think this version works well enough. Um, 
So yeah, hope we can cool. eventually like do the same thing on in other libraries and other languages. But I wanted to solve like or Get find answers to all those questions in the Ruby gem first, then in the Rails gem because. Yeah, I feel like I only have to solve those problems once and then I can like build similar things in other languages. I think that's this this way around is easier than trying to come up with unique solutions for all platforms or whatever. So yeah, that happened two weeks ago. And then last week I kind of took a detour um, and didn't build any of the things I should be building. Uh, But instead we built uh, support for outgoing webhooks. And based on that, an internal like first version of a Slack integration, um, because like outgoing webhooks is a recurring request. People mm-hmm. people keep yeah. asking about, it and we were always like, "Yeah, it's on the to do list." We, yeah, it will come eventually, um, but we didn't build it so far. And now we have like at least uh, the backend infrastructure for it, and we can wire it up for them in the database, and it will just work. So the next time someone wants to sync like the unsubscribes or whatever to their tool, the, we can we can finally say yes. It's a little yes. bit yeah. weird to set up, but we can we can make it work. Um, so that feels good. It's a small Congrats! Win. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. that was a nice nice detour in a way, just like quick and dirty, just like yeah, build something that kind of works, and then we can we can build up on like build up from there. Yeah, and the last thing I want to mention is in case you're looking for more podcasts to listen to, um, <laughs> our like, well, that's that brings me to another thing that I should probably mention. Um, we put our first uh, non-founder team member on our About Us page. <laughs> so we're not a uh, founder-only team anymore. <laughs> that, I mean, it feels like you buried the lead there. That's That's yes. huge. Yes, I for- totally forget to mention it because um, Angie, who's been doing our podcast production for the last three months or so for uh, Better uh-huh. Done Than Perfect, uh-huh. um, she did a bunch of research, and that's the point I wanted to talk about initially. Is she did a bunch of research and collected a list of fifty plus SaaS podcasts, um, like from similar podcasts to this one, like Founder Jets to like highly super quality quality production. Uh, podcasts about startups and SaaS applications and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she compiled a list of 50 plus of those and published it on our blog. And we're so happy about that, that we decided, okay, it we can't co uh, like publish it on a, one of our names. It has to be under her name because she, did, she put in a lot of work on this. <laughs> and that's when we also decided, Hey, we should probably put her on the, on the team's page yeah. as well. So yeah. We, yeah, we are officially not a two-founder team anymore. <laughs> another, another congratulations in order there, man. You've got you had a big couple of weeks. Yeah, looking back at it, it's been like <laughs> quite eventful. No wonder you're exhausted. Get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the last two weeks have been productive in a way, but this feels like this yeah. week. Uh, I, I'm just like waking up, fixing stuff, mm-hmm. and. By noon, yeah. uh, I'm exhausted and I'm done for the day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good but that's about it. Uh, nothing else happened. Um, <laughs> no, nothing else other than all sorts of huge news. Yeah. 
Yeah. Congrats. What's what's up with you? I I, yeah. I noticed that you published your game on Tabletopia, and I I did. I haven't played it yet, but I at least watched your video, so I'm excited cool. to give yeah. it a try. Yes. Well, so I yeah in uh, in board game news, yeah, I posted that I posted that how to play video, um, a solid like week and a half or two weeks after I had I had intended to, but um, it it ended up being a lot of work um you know uh yeah whatever like i didn't want to um spend a whole entire day you know edit cut edit cut because like the the rules are still so much in flux right now that it just i just didn't even a few of the things I was like oh this this could seriously be out of date in like a week or two weeks so um so then i ended up just being like okay just start playing through and so you know it's it's pretty casual um, there are some things that I would definitely, definitely change about it, but it is, it is out there. So I posted it on my, on my Twitter page. We'll put it in the show notes here, but it does give a, you know, a visual run through of the game on, on table tabletopia. Um, I also, I also did a fair amount of work on the rule book, uh, which is a, you know, open Google docs, uh, uh, yeah, Google Doc for now, um, which is really terrible at graphics. It's impossible to lay things out, which is fine. I'm not trying to, you know, complain about a, a word processor being bad at uh, at layout, but there is a point at which, okay, well, we need to switch this over to something a little bit more, a little bit less frustrating. Um, but so <laughs> hopefully, you know, for people who like to read rule books, uh, and I like to read rule books, there's a rule book. Uh, with some images, and I'll keep throwing images in there. If you take a look at it and something's confusing, just comment. Comments should be, I think comments should be open on it. So that felt like a, that felt like a really big step in terms of getting it, getting it outside of our little circle. So um, yeah, so Graham and I have, uh, Graham's my co-designer on this. We've We've played it. We've played it through two two times. Um, I've played it with my wife a couple times. Uh, we've done s- like five, I think, other play tests with other friends, and it's. I mean, the the bones are there. Like it's it's surprisingly it's surprisingly solid um, at this stage, which we we did not expect for all of the mechanisms, you know, to work together to create the system of the game that, that they're doing really well. The, um, there are some flawed cards that if they come up at the wrong time, like it's just death, um, <laughs> which is not a satisfying, you know, experience, um, as a player. As a, so as yeah. a death of the, of the hiker or death of the guy, yes, the, 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 the hiker, like, um, there, there are some situations that you can get yourself into where, you know, one just tiny wrong decision ends the game, you know? And, uh, and so we're, we're like figuring out ways to, you know, you know, to, to put some buffer in there to fix the, to fix those things. But, um, yeah, it feels as a, you know, as a quote, as an MVP, it is like surprisingly playable. Um, it's it's fun it's it's fun so we've got some we've got some more work to do we've got a couple of more play tests lined up this week 
and uh in it so in addition to the let's see in addition to the how to play video some work on the rule book i i posted it to um board game geek which is basically indie hackers so um like <laughs> the play testing equals user testing board game geek equals indie hackers um and uh, documentation equals rulebook, or rulebook equals documentation. Like uh, so many fun little little overlaps there. But um, so post posted there. I just need to kind of keep it like that page lively um, to start requesting some uh, some play tests from you know pe people who have no relationship to us whatsoever who are willing to give the give the rules a look and then hop on a Zoom call and Tabletopia and, and play it through. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's, it's wild. It, it feels really, it feels really fun to, <laughs> to have it at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it's, it looks super interesting uh, in the, in the, in the video. I was a little bit surprised in terms of like, like the setup seemed a little bit complicated or at least a little bit overwhelming, like fr yep. from a, no connection to it whatsoever it felt like a, yeah there's a lot to do and a lot of stuff to think about and i think in tabletop you already set up a bunch of things i wonder yep. like if you if you'd play this at home on your tabletop like would you spend like 30 minutes just setting things up or is it not <laughs> as bad as so, well yeah so to to kind of establish where it where it is on the spectrum of games um, as it, as it is, this would be described as a medium weight game. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, so if, if you have, if you've not played, um, many modern board games at all, like Catan or Ticket to Ride or, you know, things like that, then it, it will look like, oh, holy moly. Um, if you're, if your experience to games, you know, so far has been, you know, traditional things like, you know, Trivial Pursuit or Clue or party games like Scattergories, um, things like that, then it, w it would feel overwhelming. You know, to at the far end of the spectrum, if you've played, you know, Twilight Imperium or um, the new Dune game or things like that, then it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is how setup works. Um, and so it, it, that that's kind of that that is definitely a, a piece of this is like on the on when you, if you want to you know schedule a playthrough one of the questions is what what exposure to modern board games you know do you have are you like at a one two or a three and so um be, because set up for this game uh if if i had a if i had the uh you know the version in my hand it's like setup is probably five to ten minutes you know, in actuality, um, compared to, you know, some other games I've got that, you know, yeah, it does, it does take, they take, they can take some time to set up, but once you get, once you get the hang of it, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And, um, so yeah, so it's a good question. It's something I had in my notes was like, um, you know, what, uh, how, <laughs> if you haven't, if you, ha if, if, if you played board games growing up, but you haven't revisited them in a while, and your idea of you know what board games could be is Clue and Monopoly and things like that. There's this whole new world that has that has emerged over the past 15 years, and most especially over the past over the past five. And so, um, 
if if it if it seems interesting and you kind of want to dip your toe in like what's this about then first of all hit hit me up on twitter and i'd be more than happy to talk to you about board games all day long um but you know check out either settlers of Catan or uh carcassonne or ticket to ride those are really great really great gateway games to to what modern board games look like and act like i can at least claim that i I played Carcassonne in the mm-hmm. in the recent history. Like I think we got ourselves. Like I used to play it like twenty years ago or something like that when it, yeah. when it probably first came out. But we rediscovered yep. it like was it last year or the year before? It's just mm-hmm. like it's a lot of fun. Um, just yeah. like building out this map and just like yes, battling for like meadows or <laughs> yes. Yeah, secretly counting who who's who's owning who's this. Part of the map. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a that is a great, 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 great game. Well, so that's yeah, that's where that's where I'm at right now. Um, it's out there. So now I gotta I gotta keep our our board game geek thread, our indie hackers thread alive, um, and just keep posting some updates to it. Throw some more graphics in there. Make it super enticing. Um, the you know the feedback that we've gotten um, from the people who have played it through is that the the theme is just so solid and the cards that you can get the terrain that you land on the things that you can craft it all feels really really like spot on in terms of theming um, so that feels really great on the creative side we just have to dial in some of the some of the effects and the way that the game punches back at the players um some of those things are a little overpowered so mm-hmm. it's this this is still this is still the fun part yeah yeah i feel like that's probably the hard hardest part as well like anticipating all the all the possible combinations how this might play out and then like getting the balancing yeah. right I feel like, yes yeah, yeah it's probably, really really hard it's, it's probably also one of those things where you have to give like just Except that it's good enough at some point, isn't it? Like, I I feel like there are like even published games have like some like combinations where like if this thing happens, you just like you either instantly yep. win or instantly lose, and there's no yes. way around it because that's just like how the game for, is for sure, for sure. What's what's really what's what what we have working for us right now is that qualitative feedback is is still so incredibly valid. You know, um, and so we don't we don't need twenty play tests to confirm that one particular combination wrecks an experience. Yeah, um, ju- with just like software, um, and then yes, it's at some point like we have to accept that we're not going to be able to account for every single combination, and and just get it out there. Um, there's this, I mean, extremely famous game called Scythe. Um, I mean, I think it's like in the top fifteen ranked you know, games on, on board game geek. Um, and they had a couple thousand hours of play tests before they released it is an extremely successful game. And then after they released it within a couple of months, they had to release an update and like ban a particular, um, you know, faction and, and, uh, and board combo because it was too easy to win with it. And so <laughs> like, okay, cool. If if Scythe can do it, we can do it. Um, we can we can you know 
uh, suggest that everybody scribble out one thing on a on a tile if we have to um, at some point down the road. So yeah, it's it's a little bit freeing in that sense, but you know, but at at, at the same time, you know, we we have you know a hundred, couple hundred hours of of tests before. At least I feel that way. Like at least before we're ready to start thinking about either you know bootstrapping by going on Kickstarter or uh, trying to raise VC money and, and pitch publishers. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, so anyway, yeah, that's that's all that's all I've got. Um, would love to hear from people who uh, who've got some board game experience if you want to jump on tabletopia with me and and give it a give it a spin or if you don't at all um then i would love to also talk to you um and yeah tell you why board games are the best thing in the world for uh for the antidote antidote to social media and uh screen time yeah nice yeah we should totally uh schedule schedule your playthrough at some point yeah yes let's do it yeah let's do it that'd be so rad cool follow up with you yeah okay that's all i've got no that's all i've got yeah i don't have anything else either it's been plenty i guess (laughs) (laughs) everyone have a nice week and uh talk to you next week bye